Bible out at home and open up to Matthew chapter 10. We're continuing our series, A King Like No Other. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so have your Bible open to Matthew 10. So they're calling it the Work From Home Super Bowl. Not that Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are going to have some kind of Zoom competition next week. They're going to be there in person to battle it out. But a lot of the preparation behind the scenes is happening from home, far more than is typical. Can you imagine trying to get ready for a Super Bowl from home? Like, I, I don't have a clue of how to get ready for a Super Bowl to start with, but, but I mean, more distractions, less accountability, uh, fewer, you know, equipment to train on, nobody to play against or to train against, no coaches giving encouragement, and yet, COVID hasn't canceled the Super Bowl yet, the Super Bowl is going on next week, game day is coming, and, and they're both on a mission to be ready to win next week. This morning, as we, on one hand, continue our series entitled A King Like No Other, we're going to begin what you might call a little mini-series through Matthew chapter 10, because the focus of the chapter is on the mission that Christ has given us as disciples. We, we're going to call this Mission Fundamentals. Mission Fundamentals. Now, you might think it is strange to talk about the mission during COVID. I mean, life is in a different gear. We can't do what we once did. The, the mission of making Christ known looks very different than it did even just a year ago. But friends, if the Super Bowl still matters, if, if Brady and Mahomes are still focused on their mission, then how about the church? Let's be focused on the mission that Christ has given us. Because this mission's not been quarantined. The mission's not been put on pause. It's not, you know, you didn't call a time out. It's not halftime. The game is still on. And the mission still matters. And while COVID's going to change the way that we pursue the mission, it can't stop us from pursuing the mission. I'm reminded of the reality that right now, Christians across the world face far bigger hurdles than COVID. Christians down through the ages have faced far worse. And church, the day may come when we face far worse as well in the pursuit of faithfulness to the mission that Christ has given us. So let's consider from his word these mission fundamentals that Christ himself speaks to us and may God transform us as we give attention to his word. So we're going to begin at the end of chapter 9. That's really where this all gets going. So chapter 9, verse 35 and, and let's just start by reading the end of chapter 9 together, and then we'll get into the beginning of chapter 10 as well. So, Matthew nine thirty-five. let's read. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God's word. So we're going to consider mission fundamentals this morning from God's word. And the first is this. The disciple is hurting for the lost. The disciple is hurting for the lost. Verse 36 says, when he, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion speaks of experiencing something of their pain, of a kind of agony within that drove Christ to doing good for them. He, he, he saw their need and he was affected by them. He was hurting for them. It says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Human eyes can see the crowd, but divine eyes see the sheep. They see behind the, the masks and the, the veneer that people put on. The, the day-to-day image that people try to project. Jesus saw the people around him as sheep, as vulnerable and unprotected, as malnourished and underfed, as, as harassed and helpless. These folks were suffering the consequences of their own sin. They were being sinned against by others. They were suffering the effects of just being in a broken world, in a fallen world. And they were without a shepherd. None to care for them. None to, to teach them. None to point them to God. None to bind up their wounds. None to keep their enemies at bay. Sheep without a shepherd are in a dangerous place. They are ready victims. Christ, when he looked at the crowds, he saw the people as sheep, and he could he could see the suffering within them, and he could see the suffering in front of them. He was aware that they are heading into a godless eternity, and this drove him to compassion. These sheep without a shepherd are are hurtling towards the cliff of eternity, like lemmings following one another off into that abyss without God and into the fierceness of his judgment. And it brought compassion to our Lord's heart. Let me ask, friends, as we begin this, do you see people like Jesus sees people? Do you have eyes for people like this? Do you, have, do you have eyes that can see the crowd? Or do you have eyes that can see the, the sheep and the needs of those around you? Those stuck at home in the, in the houses around you? Those who work at the cubicles near to you or who are on the road or at the gym or at the store? The situation hasn't changed. 
the lost are still sheep without a shepherd. So one of the biggest applications for me, for us this morning as we look at God's Word has to be that we pray, Lord, give us your heart for the lost. Give us your give us your eyes that we could see like you see. And your heart that we'd be affected like you're affected. Okay, so mission fundamentals, the, the first, sort of the motivation, the disciple is hurting for the lost. Number two, the disciple is praying for workers. The disciple is praying for workers. So Jesus, he looks around and he sees the crowd, he has compassion on them, and then he turns to his disciples to address his disciples. Now, what does he say to them in verse 37? He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Notice what he did not say. He did not say, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few, so get out there quick. So get out there and and get moving and get harvesting and, and get proclaiming. No. That would come he does call them to go, but first, there's a, there's a first that happens here. And the first thing he calls his disciples to is to prayer. Pray. Pray earnestly, he says. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Do you know there's a Lord of the harvest? God who is over all things. And we are called to first look to Him. Because in so doing, it positions us rightly as we begin to consider the harvest. Because the harvest is not ours. It doesn't belong to us. We are simply His workers. We are His field hands. His, His seasonal employees for the season that He puts us here to labor in His field. Friend, as we consider the mission, we want to have dreams, we want to have aspirations, we want to have hopes, praying for people that don't know the Lord, and maybe starting up a ministry, going here or there. Those are all good, but at the end of the day, we are His. And the mission is His. We work at His bidding, by His power, according to His plan, in His time, at His place. We are His. So while we, while we long for fruit, while we long for the harvest to come in, ours is really to aim for faithfulness. Faithfulness to the Lord of the harvest. You know, this is going to keep you grounded, friend. If the Lord were to bless you by, by using you to bring somebody to Christ, this reality keeps you grounded. Because no one saves by our power. Anyone who is saved is saved by the power of the Lord of the harvest. We are simply His workers. And friend, if on the other hand, you were to labor for years in prayer, in building relationship, in proclaiming the gospel to someone, and they don't turn to the Lord, this will keep you from despair as well. For no one is saved by our power. All who are saved are saved by the power of God alone. He's the Lord of the harvest. We are simply workers called to faithfulness. And so Christ calls us to prayer. 
tells us to pray to the Lord of the harvest with a specific word on our lips that he would send more laborers, that he would deploy more workers. And this has to be the second prayer, application for us as a church. The first, that we would have the eyes of Christ and the compassion of Christ for the lost. But the second, that God would raise up laborers. There's a prayer for all of us to be praying. In a, in a certain sense, for ourselves, Lord, help me be faithful to you and your call. Raise me up to do what you've called me to do. But for each other as well, Lord, raise up laborers among us at Mercy Hill. Lord, add to our number. Add to our number as a church that there would be more laborers. We're called to pray for more laborers. This is a prayer for the church, but if I could, I'd like to specifically talk to those who are older than me. Those who are at that kind of retirement age. Who feel as though most of life is behind and and your eyes are already on that next generation. This prayer is fitted very well to older saints. What a good work it is to pray. God, raise up laborers for your harvest in the next generation. Lord, don't let this mission fail. God, please raise up the young people in this church. Bring more young people to this church. Equip them and call them to go that your mission would go forward now and into the future. It's a prayer for older saints, and indeed it is a prayer for all of us as well. Okay, mission fundamentals. Number one, the disciples hurting for the lost. Number two, the disciples praying for workers. Before I get to the next one, we need to read the rest of the passage we're going to consider this morning. Uh, So let's look together. Matthew 10, we're going to read down to verse 15. This is God's word, Matthew 10, verse 1. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts. No bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff. For the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. God's Word. So 
we need to understand what is going on here historically. Jesus has just gathered his disciples, his apostles, for the first time. They're all there. They're all named. And then he sends them out on the first ever mission trip for the church. And this one is, is very unique because Christ hasn't even died on the cross yet. Right? This is during the life of Christ himself. And so there's some specifics that he gives here that apply to their mission that do not apply to our ongoing mission as a church. For example, he called them not to go to the Gentiles. So, friends, good news, you're allowed to go to the Gentiles. Uh, We're called to, to Jew and Gentile alike. The mission now is extended to the ends of the earth. And then he gives very specific things that they are required to do and forbidden to do about how they're going to do their mission. They were essentially to walk in the footsteps of a prophet, to walk in a kind of voluntary poverty, that as they went out to the surrounding cities and proclaimed the kingdom of heaven is here, they were to be a prophetic witness in that day and that time. Now, those specifics are not required for every mission that the Lord sent his, sent his church on. At times, there is wisdom to be found in raising support for ministry. At times, there's wisdom to be found in, in working for yourself, to support yourself during ministry. Later, the Apostle Paul would use both of those in his own missionary journeys. So some of these details are just historically for those that Jesus was sending out right then. But nevertheless, there are some very important pieces in here for us. Some of the focus of Christ in the mission that he sent them out on. So that brings us to mission fundamental number three. The disciple is speaking the gospel. The disciple speaking the gospel. Look at verse 7. Jesus sends them out and he says, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, when they proclaim the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand, that was, in a sense, the gospel at that time. It was the gospel in seed form, in embryonic form. Christ, as I said, hadn't even died on the cross, so they couldn't proclaim that yet, but they could proclaim that he was here and that the kingdom of heaven was breaking in in an entirely new way. Friends, when we go forward, we have the gospel in full fruit, fully matured, not as seed, but now the, now the fullness of it. And we go forth just like these disciples, proclaiming the gospel. That means we're called to speak of the person and work of Jesus, come to reconcile sinners to God. So what does it mean? It means we're called to speak. Without words, there is no evangelism. Without words, there's no gospel mission. Transmitting the gospel to others requires not just our lifestyle, that's important, not just our deeds of mercy, that's important. It requires our mouths to speak the gospel, to proclaim as we go. To speak the gospel, it is necessary to use words. Now, what do we speak? We speak of the reality of God, of God the Creator, 
of God sovereign over all. Of the God that our culture is trying to forget and to deny. The God who is, who was, and who will be, who is holy, and who is the judge and owner of all the earth and anyone we ever speak to. We speak of the reality of God and then we speak of the reality of sin. That every human being has fallen from God. Has turned from Him in their sin. Has rebelled. But there's none righteous, no, not one. Even the person we're talking to. Sharing this to. And then we must speak of the reality of judgment. That God has appointed a day when every man and woman and child that's ever been conceived will stand in judgment. That God has appointed a man, the man Christ Jesus, to act as the judge. And that God has appointed eternal destruction for all who remain in their rebellion. And as we talk about this, friends, we we should be reminded right here of the compassion of Christ. This is what he saw when he looked out at the crowds. He sees reality. And he had compassion upon them. So, friend, we must speak. And we must tell these, these truths which, to the unsaved ears, sound a lot like bad news. But we've got to start with this news if we're going to rightly proclaim the good news. Because it's easy to, to proclaim a Jesus that's just not in the book. That's just not here. A Jesus that has just come to make your life better. He'll make you a better dad. He'll give you a better family. Jesus didn't just come to make your life better or because he has a wonderful plan for you. He came to save you from a godless eternity because of your sin. So the situation of mankind, we have to put before people. And then we can put before the, the wonderful good news that for God so loved the world, despite all this, that he sent his son. That he was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so Christ came to, to live as our substitute. To do what we could never do. To, to keep the law. To obey God in ways that we never have. And then he came to die as our substitute. To die in our place for our sin. The judgment that we deserve. So that you could be reconciled to God. Friend, if you're listening right now and you've not been reconciled to God. You've never turned to Christ. Repent of your sin. And trust Him. Repent of your sin and believe the gospel. Turn to Jesus. Look to Him. Cry out to God for mercy. And He will give it. This is the wonderful news. And church, this is our message. This is what He's given us for harassed and helpless sheep. This is the power of God unto salvation. This is how wandering sheep are brought to the Good Shepherd. 
So, the disciple is speaking the gospel. Okay, mission fundamentals. Number four, next one. The disciple is displaying mercy. Displaying mercy. Look at verse 8. Right after they were proclaiming the gospel, he says this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. These are powerful miracles that are changing what's going on in the physical world and and mirroring and and revealing what's going on in the spiritual world. These, these These are signs that are going forth as witness to the gospel and as first fruits of what Christ was coming to do. Now, some of this, friends, some of this is just unique to that time, right? These are the apostles. Christ himself is sending them out as a prophetic witness at the very end of that time when the Jews were uh, still God's people in, in that exclusive way. And yet, even though there's something unique about this, friends, God still works powerfully through his church. He still answers prayer. And he's still a miracle-working God. So, as we go forward using our mouths to proclaim his mercy, let's, let's let our works accompany those words. Works of mercy alongside words of mercy. And so perhaps we're doing what the disciples did and praying for physical healing. And praying for, for God to relieve the oppressed but we're also called to visit the sick and and comfort the lonely and feed the hungry and and visit those in prison and clothe the impoverished. And these these good works are meant to accompany the gospel. The good works go with the good words. They're they're intended to go forward together. And, and, And the good works, they... Don't they do stuff? Don't they open doors? Gospel doors? As people taste and see something of the mercy of God through the mercy of His people? You think about uh, a nice engagement ring, right? You've got this this big stone in the middle surrounded by all these other, you know, tiny stones. What's the purpose of those tiny stones? It's, It's to kind of reflect light up to the big one. Draw attention to the big one. They simply are the setting for the big stone. In the same way, friends, our works of mercy, they're not the gospel, but they can be the setting for the gospel. To draw eyes to the gospel. To to help people see the glimmer of the gospel in a dark world. May May our lives be that to those around us. Okay, one more. So, mission fundamentals. The disciple is hurting for the lost, praying for workers, speaking the gospel, displaying mercy, and last one, the disciple's going wherever sent. The disciple is going where sent. Church, we must be willing to go when Jesus says go. We must be willing to go where Jesus says, go. Is he not our commander? Can he not position the troops on the battlefield as he desires? Is he not the Lord of the harvest? And can he not call us to one field and then to another? 
and position us according to His plan. So are you listening to Him? And are you going when you hear His voice? The going could be going across the hallway to a co-worker at work to build relationship, to share a little bit of life, to build that relational bridge so that you can begin to share the words of life, share the gospel with them. It could be as simple as going across the hall. It could be as massive as going across the ocean. You know, as a church, we've had the privilege of sending missionaries overseas. I give praise for that. But church, we're not done. Those that we have sent do not represent, you know, global missions for this church. Well, that's just them. No. We are called to this mission. Many of us here. But some, I believe, the Lord will raise up yet again and send more, maybe to plant churches here in the States. Maybe to go to the unreached. How are you engaging with the global call of missions that Christ gives to His people? Is is He calling you to pray? Is He calling you to support those who are going? Is, Is He calling you to be faithful right here? Is He calling you to go? Where is Jesus calling you to labor? Have you asked him? Dear friend, ask him. Seek him. Seek him as a family. God, what do you have for me? How do you want me investing in the mission that yours? And then answer his call. Go where he calls you to go. So we're going to continue next week and the week after that through Matthew chapter 10. And the whole chapter is on mission fundamental. Look forward to that together. But I think as we come to the end of this one, it would be appropriate that we just consider prayer as our first application. First, because when Christ introduced this, the first thing he said to do was pray. So we want to be about that. But the three things come to my mind we can be praying for as a church. And I'll just remind you, you can still pray during COVID. <laughs> you know? And nothing's stopping us from this. First is pray for Jesus' heart for the lost. Pray that you have His eyes, His compassion, His heart. To not see people as mere crowds, but as sheep with eternal needs. And then, second, Pray for laborers. Church, let's, let's be about this together. This is not, I'm not just preaching to you. This isn't just for you. Pray for others. Pray that the Lord would raise up others. Ask Him to raise up laborers right now in this generation. Ask Him to raise up laborers in the next and the next generation as well. That His mission would go forward. That it would go forward Right here, Spotsylvania, Fredericksburg, Stafford, Culpeper, surrounding the unreached, that his mission would go forward.
So pray for his heart. Pray for laborers. And last one. We're probably going to hit this one each week. Pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. That we may proclaim the gospel as we are called to do. That we would proclaim as we go. We would fear God more than man. And love others more than we love ourselves. Open our mouths and speak. Speak the life-giving words wherever He sends us. Down to the store or across the world that we would be bold to proclaim. So let's be praying these prayers for ourselves, for each other as a church, and may the Lord of the harvest answer these prayers. May He, may he do so for our good because it is our good as we get to serve Him. May He do so for the sake of the salvation of the lost. And may He do so for His glory. Amen. Worship team, come on up. <coughs> and let's pray together. Well, we do ask you, first, just for forgiveness. Where we have failed, been too focused on ourselves, been too fearful and timid of others. Lord, forgive us. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, we pray that you would give us a heart for the lost, that would compel us forward. Lord, I pray for all those hearing right now, that you would help each of us to hear your call. Raise us up as laborers, and then, Lord, raise up more around us to go into the fields. And, Lord, grant to us great boldness as we go, reliance on you, trusting in you, hoping in you, looking to you. You are all that we need. We look to you together in Jesus' name. Amen.